If you say you are a Christian, but you don't know how to read the Bible, you are risking your very soul. The Jesus who supposedly saved you did not save you unless you understand and believe what he says he did for you. We're going to show you starting tonight and in the coming two weeks how to read the Bible. Read the Bible in the right way and you can know he saved you. Read the Bible the wrong way and you will be lost. As always, we welcome you to Sinners and Saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, vibrant, intellectually rigorous 21st century Christian faith. We're instructing the mind, engaging the heart. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. We welcome you tonight to Sinners and Saints. I am Adam Kalustian, the pastor of outreach at the Ontario United Reformed Church. And I'm in studio tonight with my co-hosts, Moses Jambazian, the pastor at the Pasadena United Reformed Church, and John Sautel, the pastor of outreach at the First United Reformed Church in Chino. Brothers, good to be with you tonight. Good to be here, too. Good to be in studio. We're making a pretty outrageous claim that there are Christians, people saying they're Christians, who are not reading their Bibles properly, and therefore their souls are in danger. Their very salvation uh, is endangered. Now, this thought occurred to me when I was surfing the internet. I found myself in an internet or a Christian internet chat room, and this lady's talking about her life verse. She asked a very good question to the people who are reading this uh, internet thread. Maybe you don't know what a life verse is. What is a life verse? You might be wondering. Well, she says it's. It's that one verse that gets you through the rough times, that one verse that you know God wants for you. It's that one verse to help you grow, that one verse to give you strength, that one verse that describes not only you, but your faith and what you need to work on. Then she gives instructions. If you don't have a life verse, pray about it, then open the Bible and get you one. Then memorize and burn it in your brain. This is what you fight with, the word of God, you will never regret it. Now, That's not the worst of it. The worst of it's going to come in a new segment that we give uh, starting this week on Sinners and Saints called... Bonehead of the Day! And our Bonehead of the Day on January 11, 2004 is the response to this lady. A guy says, well, hey, I did like you said. I went to my Bible and it fell open at John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So apparently this was God's providence that he would open this Bible up, it would flop open to this verse, and that becomes God speaking to him and the central message of the scripture to this guy for the rest of his life. That is our bonehead of the day. But we better explain why this is such a problem, this whole concept right. of life verse and the Bible flopping okay, open. Okay, first to- of all, this is wacky beyond all belief. You've got to be thinking that Wycliffe and some of the early Bible translators in the 16th century who labored diligently lost their lives even because they were doing something so revolutionary as to interpret the Bible into the common languages of people. They would look at this and they would be uh, just horrified at what people are doing in the name of spirituality and Christian growth. 
Well, it's pathetic. It's just, it's laziness is all it is. These are people who don't want to actually sit under the preaching of the word. They don't want to actually struggle with all of what God says in his law and the gospel. And as a consequence, they want one thing they can focus on and that's it. That's their whole focus. But I mean, life, just stop and think about it. It's like applying the concept of I have my own personal birthstone or astrological sign. So if I have one of those, I have a life verse. You got to be kidding me. Explain exactly why having a life verse or finding a life verse by having your Bible flop open to a certain text is wrong and is a misuse of the Bible. Well, because the Bible is not meant to be taken that way. It's not an atomistic book. It's not a bunch of pithy sayings that you can just, you know, pick the ones that you like. It's a story. It's the story of God to man. It is his letter to us, if you will. And to only pick certain sections of it is to basically tell him that I'm ignoring you everywhere else. And we don't have that liberty to do that. And there's also just the sheer idiocy of what you will come up with as your life verses if you do this. Quite frankly, I think these guys are lying when they always fall open to these dramatic verses. Now, let me open my Bible. And well, here's my life verse. I'll just read it out to you guys. Also, you shall have a place outside the camp where you may go out. And you shall have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse. There's my life verse. It's just as legitimate as anybody else's at that point. And it's more likely you're going to flop open to a verse like that than a verse that sounds so cute and nice as John 8, 12. This this reminds me of a story. Uh, I um, I remember one time we went to to hear this uh, football player speak in a chapel at some point or another years and years ago, and he was relating how at some moment of spiritual crisis in his life, uh, he he just asked for the Holy Spirit to lead him to that verse that would just speak to his soul and kind of be like his life verse before a life verse was popular. And lo and behold, guess what uh, happened when his Bible fell out of the closet and hit the floor? The Bible opened up to what Psalm twenty three. I mean, and he's just blown <laughs> away. The Holy Spirit has led him to this text, and it was like bomb to his soul. He goes on and on. Did you ever stop to think that maybe it fell open and landed that place because you had turned there hundreds of times before, and this was actually no supernatural intervention here? But stop thinking about it. how many times does a the, Bible flop open, Deuteronomy 23? The binding Nobody on the book turns was, there. The binding on the book was worn to Psalm yeah. 23, yeah. But to make an analogy, is this as ridiculous as somebody who wants to find out current events, and they pull the newspaper, they bring it inside in the morning— and they want to find out what's going in the news and just the central, you know, the, the main idea. So they just throw the newspaper up in the air and it opens to whatever page and they put their finger in the middle of the page and they read one sentence. And now they know what's going on in the world. It's ridiculous. Things are read out of context. Uh, you, you may lose even the true meaning of, of that small verse if you just uh, pluck it out of the context. So people will treat the scripture uh, that way. Well, plus you also get then a God who doesn't even actually work through means anymore. So now anytime I need to repair my air conditioner, I just whip open whatever book I find and, oh, look, there it is, singing telegrams. I guess that's who God wants me to call to fix my air conditioning. It's, it's ridiculous. God works through means, and the means that God works through to inform you what he wants right. you to know is the preached word, the whole of the scriptures. Think about it. If, if, you picked your, uh, if, you, if you picked your retirement portfolio in this way, can you imagine what kind of a mess your retirement savings account would be is if you just... Uh, just opened up all the stock options that are available to you and you just randomly put your finger on this stock or that fund or the other and then uh, this is the way you plan for your retirement. Nobody would do that. And yet with their spiritual lives, they are content with a random, chaotic, irrational process. Now at the outset, we made the, the very outrageous claim that if you read the Bible in the wrong way, you are endangering your very soul. 
This is just a, something we're picking on because we think it's funny. We think people's souls are at risk when they read the Bible like this. We'll tell you why when we come back to Sinners and Saints. You're listening to Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge, on 99.5 FM, KKLA, the spirit of Los Angeles. Are you looking for a church where you don't have to sit there and be cynical and feel so negative about what you're hearing week by week? Do you desire to weekly be refreshed by the preaching of God's Word in truth and honor? Do you want to be freed to sing and pray to Him with your whole heart? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian, co-host of Sinners and Saints and pastor of outreach at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We take our calling very seriously at the Ontario URC to preach the Word faithfully and to strive to run our church according to the Scripture alone. Now we want to show you that, and so we invite you to join us. I'm telling you, your Christian life will be revitalized when you can unite yourself with a family of believers who are together in a common confession of God's triumphant grace in their lives. We worship Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. To get to our church, take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway and go north. Make a right on Philadelphia Street and you'll see us on the left-hand side. Find us on the web at urcsocal.org. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. We welcome you back to Sinners and Saints. I'm Adam Kalustian in studio with Moses Jambezi and John Sautel. We're talking about how people misread the Scripture and by doing that endanger their very own souls. we got to prove that, guys. Uh, to do that, we're going to introduce you or reintroduce you to something called the four spiritual laws that have been so formative and still very prominent in the Christian church today, use in evangelism. Give us a little background on that, Moses. Well, it's a product of Bill Bright, who did Campus Crusade, and basically it is what we call cheap grace. It is basically just lays out for people an idea that as long as you say the right prayer, the sinner's prayer, then that's it. Everything's fine. And so it lays out everything in a very man-centered way. It lays it out entirely for you to feel good and safe, but it really doesn't do much for the glory of God. All right. right. What are the basic four laws, Moses? You know those? Well, God. God First one's what? God 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 loves loves you. you, I think it is. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Second is man is sinful and separated from God. And then Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. And then lastly... It is that we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Okay, we're going to focus, to show you what we're talking about tonight, showing you how people misreading the Bible endangers their very soul. We're going to use that fourth spiritual law. Uh, I must accept Jesus individually into my heart in order for them to be saved. Okay. (laughs) The problem here is that that law is based on passages in Scripture that are divorced from or separated from the entire biblical teaching about salvation. So, for example, you see in the Gospels Jesus instructing people to repent and believe. Or you see uh, the apostles preaching to people and telling them to receive Jesus. Or you see the teaching in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Now, those little verses are put together, and ye come up with a principle that in order to be saved, what you must do is accept Jesus Christ in your heart or receive Jesus. Now, that isn't defined any further than what I just said. And the problem is, you could 
have accepted Jesus but have no idea about who the Jesus is or what he actually did for you and still think that you're made now right with God and that you've obeyed right. the biblical commandment to be saved. Well, there are a number of problems with it. First of all, uh, just to pick one at random, the image here of man just needing to receive Jesus as if uh, everything is in man's court somehow. And we just mentioned one of the spiritual laws is that man is totally depraved. And yet, by the time you get to number four, it's as if that never entered in the picture. Well, you might be depraved, but you apparently are not that bad because all that you really need to do is just receive. You know, God wants to give you this gift. Uh, salvation is there prepared for you. And yet, you know, you're just being stubborn and you're unwilling to receive. It's the same thing that you get it from every Calvary Chapel, too, is this idea of, you know, God wants everybody saved. God is trying to draw everybody and in one of the books that they've even written, Bryson is saying that, well, no, it's absolutely up to man. It's either faith or unbelief that will determine everything. So it puts everything on you. And so ultimately, you should get the glory if you're saved because you were smart enough to choose what others couldn't do. Yeah, we're, see, we're not arguing that, that we shouldn't preach, receive Jesus, uh, repent and believe. We do preach that. The problem is you have to preach that in context of the other teachings in Scripture that explain what it exactly is that Christ has done for his people who Christ is when we are putting our faith in him, when we are receiving him, what it is that he has done that we're trusting him for. Uh, These things are left undefined when all you quote are a couple of verses here and a couple of verses there. That's the problem. Well, that's one of the most significant problems also here is the object of faith, Jesus. That means absolutely nothing. Which Jesus are you talking about? Uh, The Jesus of, of liberals who believe that Jesus was nothing more than just a good man who uh, actualize the divinity which all of us have within us to a much higher level than anybody else? Is he the Jesus of the Gnostics in the second century who said that Jesus never really had a true body, who just appeared to be like us but was really a ghost? What Jesus are we talking about, first of all? And then second, what did he do? What did this Jesus do to save me? It's not even in the picture here. See, you have to have an intelligent understanding of the object of faith and what he did in well, order to be well, saved. Well, why, why are you guys saying that, I mean, would you say this, that it's not just enough to say that I have Jesus in my heart in order to be saved? First of all, where do you get that? I mean, do you, that may be a side path here, but where in the world does ask Jesus into my heart ever enter the picture of salvation in the Bible? It doesn't. It's just the modern way of doing it. The thing that people just don't want to deal with is the fact that scripture, the scriptures are a large book. It takes a lot of work to go through it, and that's why you actually need trained ministers, and that's what people don't want to deal with. So the whole life-verse, atomistic reading, and then reducing all of Christianity to the four spiritual laws and not defining anything is ideal for that arrogance of man. Okay, but I want to get, I want to get back to this, though. Is, are you saying that it's wrong to accept Jesus or that I can't? You know that I'm saved if, if all I've done, if I've you know, prayed the sinner's prayer like the four spiritual laws taught me to do? The question is, what did you pray for and ask for? Did you intelligently ask for the God of all creation, who is holy and perfect, to forgive you your sins only for the sake of the work of Christ? Did you go before him and say, there is no works of mine that are worthy of any positive reward, and so I rely entirely upon the works of Christ alone? And from the four spiritual laws, you're not going to get that. It is very ill-defined. It does say true things in it. Don't get me wrong. But the way it does it is so disjointed that you will not get a true understanding. All right, that's one of the problems here, too, is is you're saying, what is what are we doing with Jesus when we get him? Are we adding Jesus to our good works? Are we adding Jesus to our noble aspirations? 
Or are we claiming Jesus because we know we're spiritually bankrupt and we've fallen short of the glory of God? And we absolutely need a Savior who can, who alone can save us because we can't do it ourselves. Yeah, one of the, the perverse things about the fourth spiritual law as the you know, supposed bedrock of any assurance is that it kind of forsakes true knowledge, a knowledge of our sin, knowledge of what Christ has done, as you guys were mentioning. Uh, when we come back to Sinners and Saints, we're going to take you to some beautiful biblical texts that explain further what Christ uh, has done for us. We're going to read those properly and teach you how to do the same. Come back to Sinners and Saints. Instructing the mind, engaging the heart. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Worldly cares, confusing philosophies, bad experiences with churches. So much distracts us and keeps us away from our highest calling, to love and glorify God with all that we say, do, and think. Set aside the cares of the world. Come to church to worship God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. Hear the word of God expounded by his ministers. Receive the comfort of his gospel. Be assured that his promise is true. Jesus was sent into the world to save sinners and reconcile God to man. Hello, I'm Reverend Moses Jambazian. Come and worship the one true God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. We worship Sundays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in the city of Arcadia. From the 210 freeway, take the Santa Anita exit and go south. Turn right on Colorado and proceed one half mile. We meet in the wedding chapel just west of the main building. Call us at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. Reformation Radio, Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. We're back to Sinners and Saints. We made an outrageous claim at the beginning that people are reading the Bible wrong and therefore are thereby endangering their very souls. We do think... For example, when all you know about your salvation is that you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and you don't know who that Christ is and you don't really know biblically what he has done, then you're not saved. True faith must have at its base true knowledge of who we are, of what Christ has done for us. We're going to turn then to a couple of texts in the scripture to help explain that uh, to us. And they go a little bit deeper than just uh, accept Jesus into your heart. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, here's Paul's uh, fourth spiritual law, uh, Galatians 2.16. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. See, he begins to expand upon why it is that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ that you're saved. It's because you don't have to keep the law. Christ did it for you because Christ died in your place, that you're putting your faith in a, in a Savior, this kind of Savior who has fulfilled the law perfectly. He died on the cross for your sins. He did all the things that he needed to in order to save you because you couldn't do these things. In the New Testament, you constantly have the Old Testament being quoted in trying to explain what God is doing. And, of course, the famous verses from Habakkuk 2.4, which is quoted both in Romans and Galatians, the just or the righteous one shall live by faith. But you also have other prophets being quoted, too. And Jeremiah 31 is quoted by the apostle who wrote Hebrews. And there he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In other words, different than the old one that God demanded obedience in order for the conditional land promise. But instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach a neighbor, and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For I will be merciful for their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Very God-centered, God as the actor. And that's the thing you have to see, is that what you are receiving then is God's gift to you, and not faith being your work that is earning you anything. Or the the idea that people often have that somehow works have to play a role in whether or not they are, whether or not their faith is true. I mean, they'll say, for example, well, the way you get saved is by repenting from your sins. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? And they say, well, doesn't Jesus say repent and believe when people ask how they might be saved? And you say, well, yeah. Well, then that kind of means, doesn't it, that you turn from your evil ways, and that's what makes you right with God. I'm even reading from the four spiritual laws, you know, the fourth law. We receive Christ by a personal invitation. Receiving Christ involves turning to God from self-repentance and trusting Christ to come into our lives and forgive us our sins and make us what he wants us to be. So I see a lot of works language in there. Repentance, also Christ making us what he wants us to be. It's not clear to me from there that, no, none of my works have anything to do with me getting right with God. In fact, true faith means that I trust only the works of Christ credited to me, and I trust only his blood that was shed to pay the penalty for my sins, that he did it all for me, and that I even trusting for that in the future as I struggle with sin in my Christian life, that Christ has done it all. Right, Putting trust in that Christ makes me saved. Paul destroys that two-instrument idea of justification, that it's my repentance, it's my works, plus my faith. He, he goes out of his way, again in this passage in Galatians 2.16, to isolate there is one instrument. He says, you are justified by faith. A man is not justified by observing the law. He makes it very clear. He places... Uh, works in one category, works of the law, repentance, all those other things, that's something separate from the instrument, which is faith alone in Christ. Yeah, the problem is what we were saying from the beginning. This atomistic reading is what confuses them, and the fourth spiritual law has as a proof text Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And so that becomes the work that John's referring to, that I open the door, I invite him in. Of course, it completely misses the context It is being written to a church that is lukewarm. They are being warned that they must repent of their lukewarmness in their already present relationship. It's written to Christians. Yeah. It's not written for you to repent of your sinfulness and become a believer. It is for you to get right with the fact that the church is falling away and God is threatening to spit them out of his mouth. Yeah, It's admonition and exhortation to people who call themselves believers. And it's not an evangelistic orientation or background at all. Now, some of this may be confusing you and... and Part of that is because you're being forced to think about uh, some larger biblical concepts for the first time. You know, the Scripture was given for us to read and understand. Uh, We have the habit in this Christian subculture today to take verses out here and there. That's what that atomistic reading means. You pick stuff out from here, you pick stuff out from there. We have the habit of just taking parts of some verses but not wanting to put everything together as a whole. If If you are unclear about the things we have been saying, you need to study 
the Word of God and come to some fuller understanding of what salvation is. Learn a little bit about the big controversies in the history of the Christian church about salvation. But you know, people take great comfort in their salvation when they've done this. They've strung a bunch of texts together and they take comfort in it because they said, well, it's all out of the Bible. They've strung together a whole series of texts which are completely unrelated and yet they end up finding confidence and consolation in a false gospel because it's all out of the Bible. Well, I mean, if you want to string texts together, you can have uh, Matthew 27, 5, and Judas threw the pieces of silver and went away and hanged himself. Luke 10, 37, go and do likewise. See, all out of the Bible. There you go. It's completely quoted. It's all scripture. But Let's say it the Lord. Quoted, yeah, devil quoted scripture, and it was just as wrong when it was out of context. Our point tonight is that if you read the Bible wrongly, if you chop it up, if you misunderstand uh, particular verses, you take them out of context— you're endangering your very soul. You might miss the broad and beautiful teaching of the Scripture on justification, on how it is exactly that Christ saved his people. Come back next week. We'll give you some more instruction on how to find it on Sinners and Saints. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED. Hi, this is Rev. John Sautel, co-host of Sinners and Saints and pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. Tonight I want to invite you to come worship with us. Let me tell you a little bit about First United Reformed Church. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. Or beginning on Wednesday, September the 10th, come visit us for Family Night, which offers Bible studies and programs for the whole family. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. 